welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt. Last week, we talked about Star Trek Discovery because, I mean, it was an amazing time, and it was the just after the season finale. But today, we're talking about something just as epic, but a whole lot older, because we're doing <laughs> yeah. a what-if scenario. A what-if scenario, which is something that we absolutely, positively love to do on this show, and that is... What if the episode Scorpion happened in TNG? So it's kind of a it's kind of like a mixture of Scorpion and I Borg, but it's really if we want to get down to the bare knuckles of it, it is what would happen if Seven was introduced into Star Trek: The Next Generation. This brings up so many fun issues. One, you and I already decided off mic that this has to take place after Beth, best of both worlds because of the drama and the trauma that captain picard especially endured regarding the borg facing them again is going to present a certain challenge to him and then also is he or is he not going to want a formerly borg crew member a la seven aboard the enterprise d these are the questions that we have to answer and this is going to be so much fun because it's it, we're going to have to jump around a few things because, you know, there's going to be that time of, well, okay, say we like the crew rescue seven mm-hmm. and then why don't we just ship her off back home? <laughs> I mean, we could drop her off at Earth. Sure. Doesn't because, she have an Aunt Irene over there? Because that was not an option in Star Trek Voyager they were trapped right. in the Delta Quadrant. Which brings up, actually, the first and probably the biggest question that we have to answer, which is that in Scorpion, Voyager is entering the heart of Borg territory. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Enterprise-D is not in the Delta Quadrant. Right, right. And so that's kind of the, that's the catch, like that's the structure. So right. let's <laughs> let's start with that. I mean, let's let's go ahead and start with the the beginning of it all like because we could talk about how seven integrates in the crew and how other people would react to her like we normally do because like if we if we transplant a character like we have in the past like what would cisco be like on voyager that kind of thing yeah. we'd say like oh well he would interact with balana this way or he would interact with um chicote this way but i think with this one because it's so much more complicated it is. And, yeah. Just this one thing really brings up a lot of issues as to how we can make the story work. Because why is the Enterprise-D facing the Borg if they're not in the Delta Quadrant with this kind of story? Also, Species 8472 is subspace. Just are they everywhere in the galaxy or is it just the Delta Quadrant again? I think what we have to do in order to make this a TNG episode, we can't include Species 8472. So we, yeah, that changes a lot of the story, though. I think essentially, like what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, with this being a mixture of Scorpion and the episode I, Borg. So I think it's going to be, okay, so do you remember the episode, I think it was the sixth season, 
uh, survival instinct, the one where she has to make her own mini collective where they're stranded on a planet. Where have we heard that before, by the way? Exactly. That's the thing. Like there's so there's so many similarities between Hugh from the next generation and Seven that yeah. because Seven was once stranded on a planet with a bunch of Borg. She survived and they were re they were retaken by the Borg, but she not after until she made it her own mini collective which forever linked them. And then there's I Borg, which they were um an, another th- another Borg uh, ship crashes. And I think he was the only survivor in that one. Yeah. And then they rehabilitate him and then give him back to the to the collective. So I feel like this is a what if scenario of what if there was no Hugh and it was Seven instead? How does mm. that go down? And so I think that's okay. how it goes down is that like she was a member, like what she was a member of Hugh's crew. And okay. Hugh didn't survive, but she did. So we're just replacing Hugh with Seven. And I'm guessing going to make her a permanent crew member. And making her a permanent crew member. Like th- that is the, that's the trick. That's the hard part. And we have to come up with a reason as to why they don't just ship her off to the Daystrom Institute or ship her off back to headquarters. They, we have to have find a reason that keeps her on the show. So I yeah. think that they go like, I think Hugh was very interested in becoming an individual. Like uh-huh. Hugh was not aggressive. He was more of a lost sheep. Where seven was angry, seven yes. was arrogant, seven was we are the Borg and you friggin' suck, and <laughs> Hugh was very yeah. much like, oh hey, okay, you're totally gonna become a Borg. Well, I don't want to. All right, that's cool, man. That's all right. You know, that's all right. he was the hippie of Borgs. <laughs> I may be simplifying it a little bit, but no, you're right. I mean, Hugh was a lot more placid about the whole thing than Seven was, and I feel like though, if they did find seven of nine and she didn't go right back to the board collective like Hugh did that the federation would immediately say okay we're going to research the crap out of her so that we can learn the borg and find a yeah. way to defeat them the next time they try to invade a la first contact essentially i think that would absolutely happen but we need to think of a way i think here's how we could think about it so like they, she reluctantly gets separated from the Borg. She demands to be returned. And the TNG crew, the Enterprise crew, is just like, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. You're an individual. Like, you're Annika Hansen. This is your backstory. We just kind of move it a few years so that it lines up with their own timeline. Uh-huh. And, and so I feel like we have to come up with a... There, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a decision for why the TNG crew won't send them back. Because initially, uh, Starfleet wanted to send her with a um, uh, with a virus. Like, they wanted to send Hugh back with a virus. Right. That would destroy the Borg. The Borg which, uh-huh. when I go back and watch that, I'm just like, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> but Picard says, no, that's genocide. We're not going to do that. And I think that what if the Borg rejects Seven of Nine? Ooh, okay, that would be a good twist, yes. And so that's why they can't return her, because even though she wishes to, they they, fa- they find a Borg vessel, they find a Borg scout, you know, like something that they could take on. Like it's not a it's not a sphere, it's not a cube, it's a scout vessel that the Enterprise D could handle. Uh huh. And they say we've got your person, uh, we've got we've got seven of nine. 
she wants to come back. We believe in individual freedoms, and so she she we're going to return her. And the crew and they they do a scan and they say they say something to the effect of she's too far gone, and then gets out. Which is an interesting take on the Borg because they simulate just about anybody they can get their hands on, minus the Kazon. Now, the Borg were incredibly different during the TNG era. And I'm wondering, is that enough leeway for me to say that? Or does there, like, do we need another reason why she can't go back to the Borg? Here's the thing if we're writing TNG era Borg, they're still making up the rules of the Borg at this time. We know Mm -hmm. them differently now with a lot more history. And then, I mean, Voyager went crazy with their Borg stories. And so we don't have to work with that if we don't want to. Now, we started out thinking we were going to put uh, Scorpion, the events of Scorpion, sort of, into TNG. But I feel like we're doing more of just a rewrite of I Borg. It's not Scorpion anymore. It's not, it's no, it's not Scorpion anymore. It's kind of a rewrite of our Borg, but I think we're going to get into the Seven territory where Seven becomes a member. Um, of but the I crew. think we need to get, we, we need to establish the plot first of how she stays on because here's my idea of how she stays on. So I think we, okay. like, we figured out how she gets on board and they separate her from the collective and maybe they try to heal her. Maybe Dr. Crusher, like, is just like goes through the motions. Of like, oh, she's unconscious and she's a Borg, but she's kind of like Locutus, so there's we can still salvage her or salvage her human components. So let's Ooh. just do that since she's unconscious. Yeah, because okay. Because in and Crusher's I mean, mind, Crusher's she's done hurting. this. Yeah, Crusher's done this, and in Crusher's mind, she's helping her. She's not ripping her from the Borg. She's giving her back her humanity, and it's not until she wakes up where Crusher's like, oh, crap. Like, what have I done? (laughs) That's great. I have an idea. Let me know if you're into this at all. Annika Hansen was assimilated at a very young age, at six years old. Mm -hmm. What if we have this incarnation, this Annika Hansen, uh, somebody who was assimilated at Wolf 359, has not been a member of the Borg that long. What if that helps her regain her humanity a little more quickly and justifies... The fact that maybe they can reform her back into a Starfleet officer, and that's why she's on the ship. I think that's that's definitely a way that we could go. Uh, one concern is that the reason, one reason why Seven was so adamant about going back to the Borg is because she was assimilated as as a child, and that's all that she knew. That's all that she remembered. Yeah. Um, but but we could, I mean, because we're like you said, we're writing TNG. We could say like oh, well, you know, like it's been a couple years since Wolf 359 and we've never known anybody to be assimilated for that long and come back because with Picard, it was only like four days that he was assimilated. And with Annika, it could be three years or something like that. Sure. And honestly, I mean, you could even just write it off saying that once you're assimilated into the collective, it has such a hold on you Mm -hmm. that it's hard to let go. But maybe with Crusher kind of maybe reinvigorating some old memories of who she used to be opens her mind to the possibility of maybe being able to be okay not being a part of the collective anymore. Okay, so maybe that's the arc of the episode where maybe it's like it's a it's a Crusher Picard 7 story where hmm. it's Crusher's journey on healing her and it's Picard trying to speak with her as Locutus, but also as a Starfleet officer. And 
um, <sighs> I think it would be interesting because, like, you have the do no harm, you know, the Hippocratic Oath from Crusher, and sh- maybe she feels like she went back on that. She's like, I should have waited until she regained consciousness to see if she wanted this. I just assume that she didn't want to be a part of the collective, like, because she was a Starfleet officer. And Ooh, what if Picard has to talk her down a little bit? Like she storms into the ready room. Jean Luc, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think I made the wrong call here. And he's got to offer some perspective. I think this could be a really rich episode with the three of them: Picard and Crusher talking, yeah. uh, Crusher and Annika, and then Annika and Picard slash Locutus. And this is meanwhile doing a big number on Picard. I. Yes, I, I think it would be good. I think the reason why they would want to keep her on board instead of shipping her off for analysis is that you have Data, who is an expert in cybernetics. Yes. And he would be able to give a unique perspective. You have Picard, who's an expert on the Borg. And so he would be able to give a unique perspective. And maybe Crusher throws around her medical knowledge saying, like, listen, I'm the attending physician. I'm her physician. I dictate where her healing um, happens mm. due right. to uh, due to rule thir- 34.161747 <laughs> you know of right. the charter make up a regulation right also i'm sorry but she's not a lab rat okay yeah yeah and i think and like picard's like uses that he says like it's like she'll be able to grow here we'll be able to get more information out of her willingly than your psychoanalysis or like trying to excise it from her while trying to generate trying to help her period of growth back to humanity these people here she's in the best place here in order to do that so maybe her arc is she doesn't want to it's like she wants to go back to the borg she's thinking about not going back she doesn't want to go back and so it's her decision to stay on board okay but do we do or do we still do the thing where they try to send her back to the collective initially and they reject her no i don't think so i don't um I don't think we need to do that anymore. I think like that's her arc of that episode that she kind of like at the okay. end of Scorpion, she decides that she's going to be a member of their collective. She's going to okay. be in it. She's going to try to be an individual. All right. that That's cool though. Cause it kind of shows there's still work to be done if she's still talking about collectives, but it's her freedom of choice to make that decision. Right. Do we want to make her a Starfleet officer, a former Starfleet officer? It feels like a little bit of a cheat and it would make it easier for her to acclimate maybe too much. Mm, here's the thing, though, is that just that makes so much sense. Unless it you does, want to make her a research scientist like Annika's parents were. I kind of want to go that route. Like, let's keep her at the Wolf 359, but not a Borg expert. Let's make her a research scientist who was on a ship that went into battle. Okay. At Wolf 359. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then she still kind of gets to be, I don't know, like, where is Seven of Nine in the ranks? She's just kind of everywhere. She, yeah, she doesn't have a rank, but she kind of took the lead of head science officer. More or less. In Voyager. Yeah. Yeah, because they didn't really have a whole lot of blue shirts on the show. No, Surprisingly, they didn't. on a science vessel, no less, you guys. Ugh. I think in TNG, she would definitely be in a uniform right away. Good God, I hope so. Please, no cat suit. So I think actually in the first season that she's in, I don't think she's in a uniform. I don't think she's not in a cat suit, but I don't think she's in a uniform. And I think she just kind of, she's there to kind of like Counselor Deanna Troy is helping her with, um, with regaining her humanity. Crusher's helping her. 
Data is helping her because she still has some of her implants and Picard is helping her. And it's not until the next season where she's like, listen, I have so much knowledge from the Borg. I don't need to go to the Academy, but I'd love to stay on the ship. You should give me a field commission. I was just thinking field commission. That ought to get her a uniform and a minimal rank, but nevertheless, I mean, yeah, she's working with the senior staff. We know what she is. Yeah, yeah. I think she, yeah, she becomes a senior member. She's a lieutenant junior grade or lieutenant full grade or something like that. And, uh, or senior grade, I meant to say. And uh, and I think that's kind of her growth is that she becomes a member of Starfleet because of a field commission, because she has no, so much knowledge that it's kind of like Kelvin verse Chekhov where Kelvin versus Chekhov didn't go to the academy. He was yeah. recruited. They're like, right. we're going to make you an ensign right away because you're so freaking smart. And that's what they did with Seven nice. because she has all this knowledge from the Borg that she doesn't need to go to the academy. Yeah. Okay. So that sets a good arc for her. Now, as far as her interactions with the crew go, she and Picard are going to have a special relationship, obviously. I think it's it's going to be special, but I think it's going to be very, very weird at first. I think oh, she- Oh, Yeah. She pseudo deifies him because he's Locutus uh-huh. and it's built into her DNA. Yeah. We are forgetting one th- big thing. All the Borg at Wolf 359 were destroyed. Oh, come on. Somebody had to survive. Come on. <laughs> come on. We're going to say like there was an escape pod or something or. Yeah. Like... That's what we're doing. Let's okay. just make it that easy. Yep. Folks. <laughs> Listen, listen, folks, we, we know we just stumbled on something and we're totally going to ignore it. So just shh. Okay. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Okay. So with that in mind, so I think she deifies him because he's Locutus. And so it's kind of like uh, Kira and Cisco at first because Cisco is the, is the emissary. And so Kira is a little weird around him because he's uh-huh. the leader of her religion. Kind of the same thing. But also at the same time, she has, as she develops her humanity and her individuality, she develops anger towards Picard because he was the reason that um, Wolf 359 happened. He was the Mm. reason why her ship was destroyed. But then at the same time, she has to battle back and forth because it's, she's like, well, I was taken against my will and so was Jean-Luc. So why can I, why should I be mad at him? I can't be mad at him. She's going to go through the stages of Borg grief, just like yeah. Jean-Luc had to. And I have a feeling he's going to help mentor her through that. Yes. Help her yes. understand what it is she's going through. What does it mean to be an ex-Borg? Really, he's about, he's the only person that she could possibly go to that really understands that. So I think, yeah, they are going to have a lot of changes in their relationship. And I think the end result of all of that is she's going to have a real firm respect for him as her captain. Absolutely. And so let's move down the list. Riker. We all know what everybody's thinking. <laughs> I mean, if Chakotay and Seven can get together, why not Riker and Seven? I I want to see the episode that where, you know, where <laughs> oh, Seven no. like explores her sexuality with holographic with Chakotay. Oh my, oh my I don't God. want it to be holographic Riker, Riker. I want it to be Riker who goes up to her and says like, listen, you know, if you need... I'll teach you everything you need to know. If you need to know anything or learn anything, if you need any help in any area. Wait, what if it's Data programming her with multiple techniques? Well, she's not not an android. No. So she doesn't need, she's not programmed. 
Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm just using the phrasing. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're saying like, what if she goes to Data to help with her sexuality? Yeah, because she feels more comfortable around Data, but maybe she has oh. the hots for Riker, but she wants to go in a little prepared knowing that she has no experience. That's interesting. Okay, that's that's really interesting. Not to talk about her sexuality right away, but it's because we were talking about Riker right away. That's the only reason why we're bringing <laughs> it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love the idea of her using, straight up using data. Like <gasps> hardcore, like no emotion. If data had emotion, people we would hate Seven for all time. But because yes. data has no emotion and because she's still kind of self-absorbed like Seven was at the beginning. Yes, yes. Like she's just like, oh, well, Data is skilled in multiple techniques. I can, and he has no emotional attachment, so I can, I can use him for, uh, I, I can use him for whatever purposes I need in this regard. And Data's just like, yeah, sure, let's do, let's do this because he's just a machine. And so, it's it's a weird situation, and Data can't get attached though, and so there would be no negative. Yeah, here's the weird thing. Like I think it has to be a comedy of errors where Seven okay, has a subjective. Right. But then Data is probably left wondering, okay, does this mean Seven likes me? Are we entering into a relationship? What are we doing here? And so I think there's got to be some sort of episode that happens where really she's just trying to get some information out of him, but he thinks it's way more. But it can't end with attachment. I agree. And then that's when Seven has to realize she's hurting a friend. I think that's kind of what it, I, I don't know if it needs to end that particular way. I, I, hmm. I agree with everything you said up until that last moment where okay. I, th- I think, you know how the, the end of the um, end of the episode where um, Data has a relationship for the first time uh-huh. and it ends very hollow where he blows out the candle and spot hops on his on his lap and she's she's feels like she heard him but obviously he didn't and he's totally fine he's like hey spot you know so we know it's all kind of okay but inside as an audience member we hurt a little bit i think neither of these characters are hurt but yet we as an audience are like this was not the right way to do things this was a weird thing to go i totally see what you're saying yeah okay i think that's actually a little funner for us as an audience just having that wtf kind of feeling and it's not going to get resolved in that episode no i think we're hurt on behalf of them we're just like oh you hurt data's feelings oh wait no you didn't like oh seven you should have done that well she doesn't know any better right you know like that kind like of you thing. can't totally fault them they're going through these motions kind of oblivious to how we feel and react to it as an audience but at the end like she kind of dumps them a little bit like seven dumps the doctor saying like like preemptively dumps the doctor yeah. and says like, oh, I think Riker would make a, make a much more suitable candidate for this. And yeah, Data's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> like, so then, yeah, then he has no choice but to move on and then she's going to start putting some of her new skills on Riker. I think Riker would keep his distance for a while because obviously she's somebody who's going through something. And Riker is a hound, but he's not a jackass. Right. And and so I think that's the that's the line right there. But once she started developing more individuality and she started seeking him out, Riker would not say no. No, he wouldn't. So we would explore what a relationship between those two would be like. Now, what I would kind of like to see, though, is what happens if and when it fails. And how does that feel for the two of them? I think it fails spectacularly. Yeah. Big breakup, like horrible breakup. Because on TNG, everything's very like, 
okay, you know, we broke up. This is sad, but we'll move on. We'll remain friends. I want it to be ugly. I want Riker <laughs> to either, I want either Riker to screw up or Seven to screw up. Actually, I don't even know if I, I, I don't think we should see the breakup. I want to see the aftermath of the breakup where I in agree. an episode, all of a sudden they're weird around each other. They're not speaking to each other. They enter in a turbo lift and they're just dead silence. And Deanna's yes. like, oh, what the hell's going on, Will? You know, like what's going on? Oh my gosh, yes. And then we kind of get all this, we kind of fill the gaps of the information in from the other crew members interacting with these two. And it kind of helps yes. us figure out what in the heck happened. That would be a great episode. I think that would be a lot of fun. And oh then gosh. maybe at the end, we make it all TNG style where they shake hands and like, we'll remain friends, blah, blah, blah. Right, because of course they have to have that heart to heart at the end and talk mm-hmm. like adults. And then, yeah, they sail off and that's the end of the episode. But what an awesome episode that would be. It would be fun. And maybe, maybe no one even knew that they were in a relationship. And Oh, no, I think everybody knew. Everybody knew? Okay, all right. Oh, yeah, come on, come on. (laughs) Either because maybe Seven had some weird declaration where it became known to everybody despite maybe not wanting everybody to know, or who knows, maybe everybody on Deck Nine heard them. I don't know. Something like that. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know okay. where Riker's quarters are or sevens for that matter, but hey, whatever. You get my okay. reference. So we've kind of established Data and Riker. I think the the only added thing to Data would be he helps her with her cybernetic implants. It's something that's a little bit beyond Crusher's purview. And so yeah. he helps out. And so there's a lot of scenes with him and her in his lab, his his yeah. proprietary lab. And I think that they just explore humanity together. Like she's trying to regain it and he's trying to get it for the first time. Right. So they're sharing very different experiences and helping each other out in the process. That's going to be a cool relationship. Now, yeah, I think, yeah. What about Jordy? Because I have a feeling these two are going to be at odds with one another. Jordy is not going to be kind. He's going to kind of be a little bit of a jackass. And they're going to have to kind of try and meet each other in the middle and make peace. I think it's going to be very similar to the Balana. Uh, relationship it's hard not to i think she's gonna do things without asking permission she's gonna change things in engineering and jordy is gonna have none of it oh yeah he'll flip that's not how you do things in my engineering and while Bellana was aggressive because that's her personality i feel like I feel like Jordy would throw the hammer down even harder than Bellana. I don't know why I feel this way, but I just think, because I feel like Bellana felt like she had to put up with Seven because Janeway <laughs> asked her to. But with Jordy, yeah. Jordy would just be like, this is not happening. Get the out of my engineering. Mm, okay. And then maybe Picard reads a report, calls Jordy in and says, what the heck happened here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jordy, actually, maybe Jordy will go to Picard saying, look, I cannot handle her. She, I don't want, I don't even want her in engineering anymore. I don't have time for this. And Picard, in his fashion, is just going to say, find a way, make it work. You're a Starfleet officer. You're the head of the department. Yeah, like you need, you, you, you absolutely need her, uh, not, specialty is not the right word, but. um, No. Well, you have to find a way to make it work with her. Right. Like she's too smart. She's too valuable to, Essentially. Uh, to not use her specialties and her, her knowledge and everything like that. Right. She's not going anywhere. So as a fellow coworker, find a way to, to make this happen. 
moving on to we've already talked about like crusher i think crusher would really just be medical like it would just yeah. be like these are this is what you're going to be feeling this is what you're going to be going on but if you want to talk more about your feelings talk to deanna <laughs> right yeah she and deanna are going to have i think strictly a therapist client relationship because that's what they kind of have to have i think maybe crusher on the other hand can be more of the friend healer oh okay yeah you know that's maybe more of a confidant i was thinking the opposite but when you have it like it's not ethical to have a friendship with your therapist not while you're, you're in treatment no 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 you right. can't you're do right. that that's you're why deanna's off right. limits that's why i went for crusher but what about, you know, what about patient, though? Like, it's, it's she's a medical patient. Yeah, but, I mean, it's kind of a little different, I want to say. Now, if they were maybe having a relationship relationship, yeah, that's probably not cool. But a friendship, um, as long as it's not interfering with her medical treatments, I'd say that has to be okay. Now, call me out if I'm wrong. If there's any medical professionals out there, if there's a code of ethics that say you can't do that, please tell me. Because my background okay. is psychology. I know it's not cool for therapists. That's it. No, I, I think I'm with you on that one. I, th- I, think, that's, uh, I think that's smart. Like exactly what you said is, is uh, I think, makes sense. Okay. Um, so we have those two taken care of. And Ooh, that leaves... What about Worf? Yeah, we need to talk about Worf. Sparring partner. I think sparring partner. I think she's... I want to say antagonistic at first because we needed mo- we need more drama. We need more people that she doesn't get along with. And <laughs> what if that turns Worf on? Ooh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> and of course, maybe by this point, Seven has a crush on Riker, and it's sort of like that weird thing where Worf and Deanna are together. And yeah, it's I think it's weird too soap opera triangle. Oh my god! It's a it's a little reductive, I think, because of Deanna, <laughs> but. I like the idea of it turning him on where he's just like, listen, she's strong. She's knowledgeable. She's a great fighter. She's opinionated. She's pigheaded. He's going to respect the heck out of that. He's going to respect her. But there's got to be a reason why he doesn't want to go after her. Mm. I don't know. Like maybe, I don't know. Maybe she just turns him down outright. Just like, oh, no I thanks. like it. Yeah. Like he tries and then she says no and he respects her. Yeah. Enough to back away. Like, maybe that's one of the more solid friendships she has, and she doesn't want, she's not interested in a romance. She strictly wants friendship. Friend zones him, and he's okay with that because he likes what they have too. Friend zone in a positive way. In a positive way, right. But they have to have that definition that that's just not a place where they're going to go. Cool. So, I, and I think Wesley is terrified of her. Like, actually, <laughs> and then he leaves anyway so who cares and then he leaves anyway so it doesn't matter like he's terrified <laughs> of her he's nervous around her he's stumbles he's just like hey he's heaven <laughs> just like that in that voice he cracks are we exploring her romantic side too much no i don't think any more than she actually did on the show okay. um ooh, one little thing you know how seven and naomi had a relationship does she have that sort of kind of bond maybe with alexander when That's Alexander's on the show. Yeah, like, does she bond with a kid? I don't know. I think there's potential there. I like the idea, but my gut instinct is like, eh, Alexander. <laughs> I mean, t- t- just take your feelings of Alexander in general out of the equation and just think of story potential. I think it would be more interesting to explore that with Data than I would Alexander. Yeah. I mean, you're right about that. I don't know. <laughs> 
I, and maybe once in a blue moon, they could have some sort of interaction with Alexander just to see how she does act around children. Yeah, I like, like does that. Does she I, like yeah. children? Does she hate their guts? I don't think it'd be, it's not a Naomi Wildman level relationship, but no, there's something there. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm not suggesting it becomes like this recurring theme, but it would be interesting just to see maybe how that plays out. Does Alexander like her or is he deathly afraid? That sort of thing. So is there anybody else we're forgetting? I don't think so. Do we want to um, say Guinan? I was just about to bring up Guinan. I mean, there's going to have to be a couple of really good scenes where Guinan throws down the gauntlet and tells her how it is every now and again, because Guinan's good al- at that. And also, um, the Borg uh, eradicated her world. So maybe Guinan's not going to like her at first. I think it's going to be... It's going to be hard because this is going to add an interesting dynamic because Guinan will feel the need to help her and feel the need to help with her growth, but also at the same time, I don't actually, you know what, I don't, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I think she's going to purely see her as a victim of the Borg. Maybe relating to her as a fellow victim. Yes, yes. Ooh, that's kind of cool. And maybe we just flip that script where maybe Seven is a little cautious around Guinan recognizing her as an Alarian. oh yeah the Borg kind of just destroyed just about all of you and doesn't really know how or what to say to that but then Guinan approaches her and they strike up a friendship yeah I th- that would be cool I think that's perfect I think it's um seven stays away out of respect and yeah and Guinan's just like listen you don't have to stay away let's have a conversation and they have a great friendship of like lifting each other up oh yeah. There you go. That warms my heart. I just had this moment. <laughs> well, I think I think that's a good place to end. I think that's a Yeah. I think that we we established how she got on the sh- how she got on the show, how she stayed on the show, and her relationships with everybody in the main cast. I think this is a great place to end. This is a uh, this could be I7 instead of I Borg. I7 <laughs> digging it. Yeah, this was fun. Started in one place, ended up in another, and that's just what happens when you do this on the fly. It's good stuff. So everyone, please go to thenerdoparty.com to check out all of our other episodes by going to, uh, by clicking punch it, checking out all of our past episodes. There's a lot of good stuff there. Also, make sure to check out all of our other shows. We got Star Trek shows, Star Wars shows, Harry Potter shows, Doctor Who shows, movie, television, all over this place. And also, if you want to submit something that you want us to talk about, or a topic or something like that, go to thenerdparty.com slash contact, select Punch It from the drop-down menu, fill out the form, it'll send us an email, and also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just by going to thenerdparty.com, that's where you can find it. You can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin. And you can find me at Oh the Profanity. And if you've got any other what-ifs, like transplanting other crew members onto other ships or uh, writing story ideas from one series to another, let us know because what-ifs are just loads of fun. We'd love to have your ideas. All right. So we cannot wait until we're back in the studio to talk punch it writing in Star Trek because that is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.